morning, I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew again. We've been kind of stuck in Matthew. We, we deviated a couple Sundays, but, um, but here we are in Matthew again. This is the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to go to chapter 16. And <clears throat> start with verse 13 here. Uh, you remember that part of Matthew's purpose in his book is going to be uh, to show the authority of Jesus Christ. He is is proclaiming that Jesus is the King of the Jews. So the the authority, the the King, the one in charge of this special, elected, particular people called the Jews. And again, they're they're not anybody special, okay? um, Except that God makes them special. In other words, there's nothing in the in a Jew's DEA DNA that is going to make them a superhuman. They don't seem to have any better reasoning capabilities than any other human that we've ever known. Um, which is why you kind of have this this poetic saying, "How odd of God to choose the Jews," and it is odd, and yet He did it. And yet he chooses oddballs like me, like some of you out there. And he says, you know what? I want to use you in my church. I want to use you to build my church. And that's exciting news uh, for someone that's as odd as I am. So notice here in Matthew chapter 16, and, and we'll just start reading, as I said, in verse 13. And this is pivotal. This is a pivotal if you're reading through the Gospels, every, every, all the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they all transition upon Peter's confession, you are the Christ. I mean, that's big time. You, you cannot miss that in the Gospels. So here we are. We're at this scene. But I want you to catch something that's after the confession. Only Matthew has it in his Gospel. None of the other guys follow it up with this. It's unique to His Gospel. Notice these words. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah. (laughs) Or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Sometimes Your Word is is more mysterious than clear to us. Would You give us a moment of clarity in this house of worship this morning? 
Help us to cut through some of the mysteries, to peel back heaven itself, to see You. We pray in Your most holy name. Amen. We've been talking about power and all sorts of power that is talked about in the Bible. Now, you know, one, one thing, if, if you're in my mind, that you're going to ask is, what is power, right? I mean, that's, I'm a term guy. I'm a word guy. So, what is power? What, is, what are we talking about? What, what kind of biblical power? What is its aim? Who has access to it? Where do we find it? Um, you know, what does it mean to be powerful? Well, the philosophers have given us their takes. We've heard this before. Nietzsche's will to power. Um, That's not what we're talking about. Hitler has challenged us that raw power is what is powerful. Violence. And truly, anybody can be mean and hateful and, you know, do the things... Uh, that Satan wants to do. Anybody can do that. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to be evil. Um, And yet, that's not power. That's not the kind of power we're talking about. We have to look to God in the Old Testament to see what power looks like. We have to look to Jesus. We have to look to the New Testament. We have to look to church history and the Holy Spirit Himself to define for us what power is. And what we're going to find is that God is not concerned with conquering people. He's not concerned with making us just submit to Him as as this king and dictator that we pay our taxes and we do this and we hate Him, but we have to do what He says. That's not the picture in the Bible of the power of God. Instead, the power of God is the power to change our hearts. To cleanse us from sin. To change our direction, our mind. These are things that nothing but love can do. I mean, people have put guns to others' heads and tried to make them do certain things, but you cannot make someone love. There was a fellow who actually was a psychologist at the doctorate level, PhD and all, and in World War II, he was taken by the Nazis, put in a concentration camp, and he wrote a book about it. The book escapes my mind right now, but if you want it later, I can, I can give it to you, or get it to you. Here's what he comes to the conclusion of after living in this concentration camp, literally seeing people worked to death living naked together, sleeping together just to try to stay warm, being, being treated less than a dog. He says, you know, you can't... You can for, here's what he said. He says, there's just one picture he gives. He says, you can force people to kill their loved ones. You know, in other words, if they have your child there and they tell you to shoot your wife or they're going to shoot your kid or vice versa, they can make you do that. They can make you shoot other people. They can make you do terrible and awful things. But they cannot control who you love. They cannot control 
who you forgive. They cannot make you love them. That's the one thing they cannot do is make you love them. You cannot love by force. It's not how it happens in the world. And that's not how God works either. He does not force us to love Him. That's a good point to remember. He's not going to bend our arm backwards and say, alright, you little creation, who do you think you are? I'll stop on you like a gnat. That's not how He works. He never works like that. Instead, the picture and revelation that we get is Jesus knocking at the door. It's a beautiful thing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The door in the painting, the famous painting where Jesus is knocking on the door, doesn't have a handle on the outside. It can only be opened from the inside. He's not going to break the door down and come in. It's not how He operates. He never operates like that. He's not the SWAT team. So the power that Jesus is concerned with is always for the heart. Always to promote love. And so here in our passage, it's interesting what happened. Jesus gets this confession from Peter. You are the Christ. But does He then go around saying, alright guys, that's, that's going to be it. Now, that it's, now the cat's out of the bag. You know, I'm going to greet people. Hi, I'm God. How are you? Hi, I am the Christ, the chosen one, right? Is that how he operates? Is he, does he walk into the room demanding that people bow down to him? Hi, my name is God. What's yours? That's not how he operates. He said, even at the end here, don't tell anybody. And you're like, what? what? I thought we were supposed to, you know, be evangelizing. It wasn't the time. They weren't ready yet. <laughs> um, and so, many times we're not. And this is, where we're, this is where things go bad. And so here's what I want to talk about this morning is church power. So if you want to talk about power, where do you find it? Where do you get it? Where is it really seen in the world, God's power? It's seen in the church. That's the one place on earth where you can go to see God's power at work. You say, well, you know, God is at work in the solar system. Yeah, absolutely. You know, He's at work in governments, and He's at work in leaders. And he, yeah, but there's nowhere more powerful than the church. Now, the church is not just one organization or denomination. Instead, it's made of many members with Christ at the head. So, notice what, you get this confession, you're the Son of the living God, and then Jesus, really, actually, Matthew skips over the part where Jesus calls Matthew, or Peter um, Satan. He doesn't enter that part. Instead, he goes straight to this almost commissioning of Peter. So he says, look, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Jesus uses his full name. Kind of like when your mother uh, uses your full name, you know. Jackson Lawrence Dagg, get over here. You know, that's supposed to mean more than, hey, Jackie, or whatever the nickname is at the time. Um, and so here he uses his full name, and says, flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says this, and this is, this is pretty controversial. You may know about this. I tell you, you are Petra, Peter, rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the first thing is this. God is going to build His church, starting with Peter. And they said, well, I didn't know we were Catholic. I thought only Catholics believed that, you know, 
the first pope was Peter and that the, the church was built upon him. Well, a few things. He doesn't say, notice, that he's going to found the church on Peter because what in Ephesians 2.20 says is that Jesus is actually the cornerstone of the church and that the foundation is the apostles. So, it's not just with Peter, but instead the apostles in general. However, Peter's the leader of the apostles, so it would be right to talk to him, especially in this scene here. Uh, and so, so the Pope is in the line of Peter. And even Protestantism, which is what we're a part of, is a part of the Catholic Church. Roman Catholic, that is. Remember, Catholic in our creed is a little c, which just means universal. So there's one church. There's not three or four. There's only one body of Christ. And even though it looks like there's many, there's really only one. And it's Christ who's at the head. He is the cornerstone of that church. And the apostles are therefore the foundation. So that means even this church, even Harvest Point this morning, is in that same unity of the one church. Not of the, we're not a sect. It's not how I want us to see ourselves. We're not a, even though we're a split of a split of a split, because we come from a line of splits, the heart of this church belongs to Jesus Christ. The spirit of this church is the unity of Christ, uh, Christ's body. And so, here's the thing is, we have broken that up. Sin has broken that up. And the, and the church operates both as a hospital. So you have sick people here. You know, you have. You say, man, I just... You know, there's, there's a couple people in church that just don't seem to act very Christian. Well, yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. You know? There's a couple attitudes in church that I, I just don't know. Doesn't seem very Christian to me. We should really be working on that. Yeah? And one of them might be that one. Amen. Jesus says, always first look in your own eye. Uh, before you go reaching for someone else's eye to pluck the little speck out of theirs, you've got a log in yours. Um, it's, not, it's not good when you have wood in your eye. Uh, Friday, I, I got some wood in my eye. I was doing a drill, and all this you know, wood dust got in my eyeball, and I, I told Brayden, I was like, man, I feel like I have a log in my eye right now. I think I know what Jesus means. I'm not going to be able to see very clearly to get your stuff out of your eye if i got all this junk in mine. And yet, this is what we do. And so, on the one hand, this is a place for sinners. This is a place for those who are hurting. This is a place for those who have not yet been made perfect. This is a place for those who are not saints. And on the other hand, this is the place where you look for saints. <laughs> holy ones. This is the primary term in the New Testament for the church is holy ones. Church is just a term that means assembly. Assembly of what? Holy ones. Ones dedicated to God, to Jesus. If your foundation is Jesus, then you meet with others whose foundation is Jesus. That is what we call church. He says, where two or three are gathered in His name, He's going to be there. That's what makes up church. And so, in our individualistic world, we purposefully, intentionally meet together rather than stay at home. Rather than do our own thing. We read the Bible together. We grow together. 
the best picture for me is uh, when I used to I used to have a in my other house I had a wood line at the back and so I would burn the underbrush it was always a fun thing to do um, you know but I would contain the fire and the way you really contain a fire in the woods is to simply do a little ditch you know, just get your little rake and all that if, if you get down to dirt just this little m- bit much of dirt unless it's a raging fire is going to really stop a grass fire a ground fire so I, I'd dig a little ditch around wherever I wanted to stop and and it would stop uh, because when you don't have any more fuel, you burn out. It's a warning for us to always make sure we're on full. Many of us are running on empty. We're running from here to there. Look, I, I know. You want to talk about busyness? Hey, come step in my shoes for a little while. We can, we can understand what business is. We, we're all busy. It's, you know what's funny to me is, even when people retire, they get busy. Having them, you talk about, yeah, we got a busy week ahead of us. I'm like, what? Well, we got this, we got that, we got. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, there's always something to do. So you stay at home, work with the kids. Oh, you just laid up. No, go, go do that. Go, go, go be Jessica for a day. You know, go be a couple of these other ladies for a day. Look, I wouldn't want to do You couldn't pay me enough to do it. Um, God has not designed me for, for, you know, my little time with the kids. That's about it. It's about the limit. Five minutes. I'm just kidding. I try to be better than that. But no, when we're running on empty, we're going to run out of fuel. We need to feed on Jesus and each other. That's how He's designed it. He's the cornerstone. The apostles are the foundation. You cannot serve Jesus without also serving the church. Because that is His body. That's like saying you know me just by knowing my head, not the rest of me. It's impossible. However, in our individual world, we have decapitated the church and only said we have Jesus, I have nothing. Wrong. We need each other. We talked about this last week. Relationships. we got to have it. Where do you find salvific relationship? In the church. It's in the church. Even though you can get hurt in the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not a utopia. And yet, it is the one place where we go to be made holy. To join hands with those who want to be made right. You know, this, this church is a church plant. <laughs> and every church is a church plant. Every church you've ever seen, somebody started it. Somebody got the ball rolling. Somebody got a vision from God, a calling from God. It doesn't matter how old it was. Someone helped to found that church. You know how this church is going to be strong? It's with people. People like you, who are willing to lay their life down as a foundation for others to build upon. So in church, if somebody hurts your feelings, that's a real thing. But at the same time, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. You cannot allow it to fester. People say, well, I don't go to church because of the hypocrites. And as my dad always used to say, um, he said, you know, well, if you're not going to go to church with them, you'll go to hell with them. They're there too. You're not going to escape them. 
It's just going to be a longer duration the second time. Might as well spend a little time with them here. You're not going to escape that. We're not trying to create some false world here. Instead, real relationships. Even Jesus, did He not deal with some knuckleheads, as my kids say? I mean, the disciples were real knuckleheads at times. Thick-headed. Like I am. And Jesus just keeps coming back saying, I'm still here. Are you still here? I say, yes, sir. But I don't know how you still love me. I really don't. That's how church should be. Church should be a place where people can mess up and we still love them. That doesn't mean we condone it. Jesus never condones sin. Never, not ever. But He loves the person. Not the sin. And even though our culture says we cannot separate the two, you can. And God does. And with the right set of eyes, the eyes of faith and love, we too can separate the sin from the sinner. We can love the person and hate what they do. Hate how it destroys families. And so this this church is a small plant in God's kingdom. We don't we're not, you know, like I've said before, we're not a full service church. We don't have everything that we want. We don't have the facilities we want. We don't have uh, all of the, the people groups that we would like to have, all the manpower behind everything. We don't have all the money that we would like to have. Will we ever? Probably not. It's kind of like in your life. When is enough enough? But we're a small plant that has now broken the surface. Well, you should just be a little seed. That was it. Just a little bit of seed in Mississippi. And we're thrown in the ground and God sent people to help germinate that seed, to help it grow and break the surface, and now we're starting to produce fruit. It's really an awesome, beautiful thing to look back. And to see out here some of your faces that were, that were a part of that, the, the root part, and now some of you others that have been grafted in and joined in, really to, boom, push us above the surface. I mean, it's this exciting thing. And we're starting to see real fruit, real ministry that is affecting people in Madison, in Huntsville. Marriages right here. Children right here. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And God did that. It's built on this same foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone, but He's going to lay us in the foundation. Because now we are His disciples here in this area. You see, the church is the presence of God in the world. Where is God? People ask. Where is He? Show Him to me. He's right here. Look around the room. This is where God's body and hands and feet and very presence is in the world. And that may not be enough for you, but it's enough for God That's how He's designed it. He's not going to personally show up and stick His hand out and say hi. That would be too intimidating on us. There would be no choice if He did that. But there's choice. You can choose God or not. He's put that ball in our court. It's a scary thing. And we can miss Him. 
And this is why the Bible has warnings. If there's no warnings, why the danger? Yeah, there's no danger if there's no warnings. But no, He warns us. Which means there really is danger. Danger of forgetting. Danger of not having faith. Danger of sitting here week after week after week, hearing the words of life and never receiving those words. More importantly, never doing those words. Truly, we damn ourselves. It's not God. It's us. This is what damnation is. And we've all been under it. But we don't have to be. Jesus can lift us from that. Give us victory. That's what the church is for. That's what this church is for. It's a place of victory. We want to be a body, a family that builds one another up in Christ. When we shake hands and look into each other's face from week to week. When we hug. When we cry together. When we see these precious children grow up from babies to toddlers to youngsters to elementary to then middle school and high We're a part of their life. The fabric of every bit of their story. I still see the faces of the older men and women in my dad's church that made an impact on me by being obedient. What is that worth? It should be worth our life. It was worth Jesus's, wasn't it? And so at Harvest Point, our purpose statement is pretty simple. Following the plant analogy, the horticultural terminology, we want to prepare souls for heaven. That's what we want to do. We want to prepare, just like you would prepare the soil when you plant something. Have you ever tried to just throw something in the ground? Doesn't work so well, does it? It takes a little preparation. You say, I'm not much of a green thumb. Well, you might want to prepare a little bit. You know, you can't plant certain things in certain types of soil. And it just doesn't work out very well. And if you don't clear the soil, then it's going to be overrun by other stuff. Trust me, i got that problem right now. Try to go the cheap way. But instead, we want to prepare, just like we prepare soil, we want to prepare our souls. This is a heavenly kind of thing going on here. Not just earthly. Your soul needs help. Just as much as your body does. Paul says, you know, physical exercise, that's great. That's great. But so too is spiritual. You must exercise spirit. And some of us are just so lethargic spiritually that we can't even do anything. We feel trapped. And until He releases us with the power of His Spirit, we are. And we won't be. Some of you have amazing gifts that just aren't being used. Ask Jesus where that... I don't know. You say, well, I'm waiting for you to tell me. I, I, I Don't do that. <laughs> you know, I don't know everything. Even though you know, sometimes I act like I might. 
I don't. I don't know your heart. I don't know the full potential. God sees something in all of us that we can't even see. And especially me. Don't wait for me. No, no. Come saying, hey, I think I, think I might have this to offer. I love that problem. <laughs> too many people wanting to serve. That would be awesome, you know. <laughs> we have too many going to feed the homeless. Oh, oh wow, okay. That's great. Um, we also want to plant seeds of the gospel. So prepare, but then plant. And how we do that? Preaching. How we do that? Reading God's Word. Those are all seeds of His good news. We do that through Friend Day. We do that through a host of things. And then we also want to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. So prepare, plant, produce. Producing fruit such as our upcoming outdoor church. Such as our upcoming ministry that we just got word about this past week where we're going to actually go to Huntsville uh, every so often, just a small group of people, one or two people at a time, and actually help cook for the homeless at first stop as they come and hear the Word of God preached and prayed. I mean, Jesus Himself says, if you don't do these things, you haven't done it to Me. If you don't feed the homeless, clothe the naked, go visit those who are, in, who are sick or incarcerated, you're not going and visiting Me. That means you didn't do it to Me. Remember what they said? Lord, we didn't, we didn't see You. What do you mean? You were there. What He says is He's in prison. What He says is He's homeless. What he says is that he needs shelter and clothing. Don't let the fact that people misuse your money be a deterrent for giving your money. And don't let money be the end all. People don't just need money. Trust me, our government gives people a lot of money and it doesn't help them. It enslaves them. It doesn't matter if you believe that politically or not. The point is this. People need people. People are empowered by people. Not just the dollar. All you've done by giving somebody just some cash is just now they can do whatever they always do with cash. But if you give them yourself, that's a completely different ballgame. People need people. It's what we need. God has not just given us something, thrown some cash at us in our own life. He's given us Himself. Himself. My kids don't just need my money. They need me. And so if we're ever going to really minister to people, we're not going to be able to do a thousand things at this church. But we better be doing a few things very well. And that's when Jesus is pleased. Just like in your own life. You can't reach the whole world. Don't try. But you better reach your world. I don't have access to those people and nobody else does but you. We say it's too big of a task and we just give up before we ever get started. But it's a lie. Do your part. Again, all we ask from our members, you come to one, one, one and a half hour service a week. Just think about what we give to Jesus, right? 52 times a year, I'm asking you to come for an hour and a half. 52 times within 365 and a fourth days. And I'm asking you to join a small group when we have them rolling, which is normally seasonal. So we have spring, we have summer, we have fall, and then we have a little Advent one. 
and then to get involved with the ministry. Three things to help you prepare your soul to plant seeds around you to produce fruit. I'm not asking you to do a hundred things. I'm asking you to do three things. And do them very well and commit yourself to them. That's what the church looks like. Don't get all sidelined. We're so hairy. We're so uh, consumed with information technology that we can't even see straight. So I'm reducing it down to three. Pulling a little Apple philosophy on you. Bring it down to one thing. Simple. It's what Jesus is doing here. Look, when He builds His church, He's going to do it through people. And that's crazy to me. Because don't you know people? They're crazy. I'm crazy. We all are because we are fallen and we're not naturally what God wants us to be. But here's the good news. Supernaturally, through the Spirit, we can be pleasing to Him. And that's all... I mean, there's ministries right here. You say, I just don't know how to get it. We can help you. We want to help you. There's plenty of people wanting to help you. And so, look, we have a, an amazing thing coming up this next week. And it's, it's friend day. It's a very simple idea. Just the people in our lives that are not going to church, we invite them. You've already heard testimony from Angie this morning. That's how she came to Jesus Christ. We can go from story to story and tell you this. It was just someone invited them. Now notice this. That means it's going to happen through us. That you may never know in this life the impact one conversation had on somebody. But that's alright because God sees it. Even if nobody else sees it, God sees it. And isn't He kind of like the most important person to see something like that? I mean, at the end, when your life is played before you like a movie, it's going to matter. It's going to matter. It's all that will matter. All the other stuff is just sidelined. It'll fall away and be burned up. But that stuff will matter. So, when that, when, next week, I want you to, as Paul says, put on Jesus Christ. Literally become Jesus Christ next Sunday for somebody as they walk in that door. Which means not to come in, sit down and secure your place and just be to yourself, but instead serve It affects the way we park. It affects the way we greet people. It affects the where we spend our time, what we say to them. It affects where we lead them, where we show them, what we give to them here. I want you to treat this as your own house. So if I came into your house, you wouldn't just lay up on the couch when I came up in there. I hope not. Unless, unless we're just like, you know, straight up bros or something. I don't know. But, but no, these are guests. I want you to think about Somebody that you respect. You know, Drew Brees is coming over today. Well, later after his game, after he wins. But, uh, but no, he's going to be coming over for dinner tonight. You're going to clean the place up? You're going to put some Saints paraphernalia out? You're going to invite him? Hey, come on in. Check this out. You know, we're big fans. That's what we want to do. We want to make the people next week feel very welcome here and point them to Jesus by our actions. And here's what Jesus promises Peter, <laughs> which is, this is just awesome. He says, he says, look, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
In other words, the church is on the offensive. We're not on the defense. It may feel like in America we're on the defense. You know, what do you mean? You need to defend your faith. You no, 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 no. No, no, We're not on the defensive. We're not going to operate this church from a defensive position. Instead, offensive. We're charging hell's gates with a water gun, but we're going to win. That's what's so crazy. The world's laughing. <laughs> Look at this old guy. He just got a little Nerf squirt gun, man. He's charging hell. Yep, that's all it takes, man. They laughed at Jesus, didn't they? And he triumphed over the enemy. He tricked them. They thought they had him. But love wins. Amen. Let them make fun of you. Don't get angry. Just say what Jesus said. They don't know what they're doing. You didn't either at one point until you could see. Love wins people. And God is love. Hell itself will not be able to withstand the church. The church, contrary to popular belief, is strong. Even in America, it's powerful. There's many things that go for church that are really not, but we're not worried about that. Why worry about what we can't help? I don't have time to worry about what I can't do. What about what you can do? What about what we can do here at Harvest Point? What about affecting the lives at your work? There's people that are hurting there. There are marriages that are on the brink of disaster. What could you do? What could Jesus do through you? What could He do through the money that you purpose to give here to His church? Which we have a secure process where I don't get it contrary to belief. Some people think, well, the pastor just takes the offering plate home. Negative. It's not even made out to me. I never even look at it. It's right down here, but I don't look at it. It's taken by two people and it's counted and it's put in the bank. It's board directed the decisions that I propose as the pastor. It's not a one-man show. And I am not the full pastor. I'm just the under-pastor of the real pastor who is Jesus Christ. We are led by the Holy Spirit. This is His work. I want you to be a part of it. I know today has been a different kind of message. But you're core people. The visitors aren't here this morning for friend day just yet. Alright? You're core people. We want you to join hands with us because we have our hands with Jesus. I really believe that He's called us here, even with all the problems that, that go along with church life and trying to secure buildings and all this kind of... Look, you don't even have to worry about half of that stuff. And I don't worry about it either because I know that He knows where we need to go next. So I want you to pray. I want you to give of yourself fully to God. He's doing a great work right here. Don't miss it. Don't be doing your own thing. You know, this is, this is not a place to come where you're just going to get fed. You are going to get fed by the Word of God. We, we have a plethora of the Word of God in this place. But at the same time, we give it back out. It's not just about us. It's about what He's doing in the world. So... Let's leave with this. 
Jesus also gives him the keys. But if you have a key and you don't know what door it goes in, that's a problem. We have the power. But if you're not in Christ, then you're not going to be effective at anything. I want to be effective. I want you to be effective for Jesus Christ. That means we've got to be in Him. So He's given us a key. We've got to put it in Him. That's our power. That's where church power comes from, is Jesus. Amen.